Hello and welcome to episode 106 of The Winning Agenda. Uh, my name is Jesse Marshall and I'm here with 2016 World's Top 16 competitor, Wilfie Horig. Oh my god, it's me. How exciting. Uh, 2016 World's Top 16 competitor, Dian Tran. Shoot you, get off the train. Welcome uh, and thanks for joining us. And last but not least, our very own Hollis Echo. How do you play Netrunner? I don't know how to play this game. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Thanks, everyone, for being here. And a special... Oh, yeah, and I'm your host, Jesse Marshall. Thanks, Wilfie. That's a good reminder. Uh, Wilfie and I are here together in Newport, Rhode Island, uh, still in the United States, recording with Hollis, who is also in the United States, in his evening for the first time ever, instead of at 5 o'clock in the morning. How's that feel, Hollis? It feels fantastic. (laughs) I don't have crust in my eye. Like When we start recording, it's, it's great. Yeah. Yes, you should savor it because it'll be the last time. (laughs) (laughs) Cold from the Byroid. Speaking of Byroids being cold, uh, we've just had some news this week that there's a murderous Byroid on the loose uh, that we're all going to be solving the mystery of in the next little while. Is everyone excited for that? It's a pretty big deal. Um, I know a lot of my guys in my meta are currently excited about it. Now we're just trying to figure out who's going to play in what (laughs) playgroup. Yeah, you got, you got to find you got to partner up. <laughs> yes, there's already been some partnering up going on here in Melbourne. Oh, I say here, but you know, at home. <laughs> um, and do you think that you're going to be taking on the role of the corpse or the runners in this one, Dan? Ooh, um, I'm going to let the person uh, who I partner up with decide. I oh, will preferably. Nice. Yeah, I, I actually enjoy playing both sides, so it doesn't bother me in any way to go e- either way. Okay, so you'd be fine being part of the HB cover-up, trying to pretend that there's nothing wrong with their bioroids? Oh, am I playing HB? No, never. Oh my god. <laughs> never again. That has scarred me for way too long. I'm never doing that again. Fair enough. Uh, and how about you, Hollis? Are you excited to see some more HB, Wayland, Crim, and Shaper cards coming in that box? Um, I am excited, and not, I mean, I'm excited to see new cards, always. Always excited to see new cards. I, I'm actually really interested to see what this will also do for uh, bringing new players into the game. I know that that was sort of the push that they wanted to um, make sure this this new supplement was going to, you know, bring in, a, you know, uh, newer players into the game, keep them interested, and sort of be their buy-in, their initial buy-in into Netrunner. Um, I'm interested to see if it works. I hope it does. Mm. So hopefully, uh, I guess the idea for those of you who haven't seen, it'll be mm. like a big box expansion, uh, but there'll be four factions, uh, HB and Wayland and then Crim and Shaper. And in combination with your corset, you should be able to make a slightly more interesting deck than just the corset decks. How do you think that'll go, Wilfie? Are you looking forward to that aspect of it, of it as well? Yeah, I think it's definitely one of the important things for FFG to do is to make sure that there is a jumping off point for new players at you know multiple different levels of engagement. And so this is a really interesting new take on that idea that if you want something that's more complex or more developed than the core set but don't necessarily want to dive into playing tournaments with all the cards, then you can do this, which is sort of, you know, because, you, you know, usually when you do that, you're playing with some one other person or maybe a few other people already. So it's sort of a cooperative way to do that, which I think is really cool. Hmm. And, and how do you feel about the, the storyline and the, the murderous bioroid? Is that something that you identify with personally? I think that we really don't know enough to make any conclusions one way or the other. Okay, so you're most likely to be part of the HB cover-up then. No comment. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, today we're 
as much as we're excited to hear all about Terminal Directive um, and the murder and mayhem that will ensue, we're actually here today to talk about intervention. Wilfie's making a snoring face at me because he doesn't really like me talking about murderous biroids. Um, yeah, we'll see if I make it through the night. But anyway, we're here for uh, to talk about intervention. So the first half of intervention tonight we're going to be talking about is the runner side, as always. And the first card on the runner side is... I hope I've got this right. Is it actually? Yes, it is. It's en passant. Uh, play only if you made a successful run this turn. Trash an unrest piece of ice you passed during the last run you made this turn, and it's a zero-cost Anarch event to influence. So what do we think of this one, Dien? I'm going to put you on the spot first up. Ooh, okay. So I've been working with um, um, one of the players from the UK, Mark, and uh, we've been kind of theorycrafting around this card. I, I was very surprised to see another... Another card that allows Anarchs to be able to trash um, ice, because they have so much ice destruction as it is. Um, mm. I know the prerequisite for this is making a successful run and having the ice uh, you pass it be unresed, but especially in like in the runner that I enjoy, Valencia, being a blackmail into a server, let's say HQ or R&D, and then being able to play this as a follow-up is uh, pretty brutal. Um, there is an argument to the side where like the being having a corp be able to res and then trashing it is, is the more powerful way to go about it. Um, but I think there are ways to play around with this, and depicting the art of Reyna on top of it, I wouldn't be surprised if people started going back to seeing if they can do crescentus builds to be able to de-res and be able to trash the ice at the same time, too. Yeah, either of those options seems pretty strong, doesn't it? What do you think, Hollis? Um, I agree with Dean. I, I did not expect another like possible option that allows uh, Anarchs to trash more ice. Um, it Obviously, this is a bit more like... This is a, a bit more limited in you know than the existing like options that we have. Uh, whereas like spoon, knife, and fork require you to break the, all the subroutines on a piece of ice. Um, you simply trash the ice subtype. Um, this card, by the way, if you don't know, ampassant means in passing. I do believe. Um, yeah, it's a chess term. It's a, a one of the very few special rules in chess ooh. for how you can ooh take a piece. Yeah, and and I think mm. I really feel like uh, this this would be like sort of like the secondary submitted like a. Uh, supplement slot for like ice destruction i think i can very much see a scenario where people in an ice destruction deck are running the knife spoon and forked and then this is like sort of the card they slot as the secondary to those options just to make sure that you know if you're doing anything like a credit denial or just in general uh, applying a lot of pressure that you're able to prevent if your opponent's not going to resolve ice immediately you just keep pushing them back and back and back into that state where they're in the beginning of the game and as we've seen this is exactly how dumbo fork is able to take advantage of the early and they sort of like early mid game because they push you back to the beginning. And seeing as one of the only ways for corpse to really get around a blackmail DDoS siphon lock is to install more ice, being able to follow up your blackmail with trashing the ice that they've installed to try and <laughs> keep you out seems like it's going to be pretty powerful. Yeah. At, at zero cost uh, and with no restrictions, it sort of looks like it has two play restrictions, but really it's just one because if you've made a successful run, you know, all the, all it basically says is you can only trash ice on that server you just ran. It's not actually really an additional requirement. Um, and most of the time, that's going to be exactly what you want to do. Cool. Uh, so we'll move on from En Passant, which looks like a very good one. The next card is Frantic Coding. It's three costs, three influence Anarch event. Look at the top 10 cards of your stack. If any of those cards are programs, you may install one of them, lowering the install cost by five, and trash the rest of those cards. Hollis, what do you think of this one? Uh, I said it before we started recording. 
it's the most it's like one of the most anarch of anarch cards because anarch is very much anarch very much is is all about I need, I need to find this one tool i will sacrifice everything in my deck don't care to find this specific tool whereas the other factions either do you know very careful tutoring or they sort of do like this sort of like quantity amount where they they draw a lot of just random things i i, I just really i really dig how this card is uh thematically you literally are just going to look at a fourth of your deck and then just choose one of them install it and then get rid of the rest the rest is just garbage i love it um i think that ability is in in oh. anarch decks without uh too much recursion are you going to be able to play this or does this sort of force you to play same old thing in deja vu i think that in your deck to be able to make best use of it i think you are going to be more inclined to play those kinds of cards right like I, if you're going to be losing so you know so much material it makes sense that you want to be able to have that level of recursion where you have the deja vu, the same old thing, and maybe like a levy to redo it. But the other benefit is that we all we already know that Anarch is also getting us already has uh, two out of the three pieces, or what I hope is a third piece, um, to a installable from archives uh, uh, suite. Where and so mm. basically at the point where Anarch starts getting a lot of tools that are better when they're in the trash like that. Um, cards like Frenetic Coding actually have a little bit less of a sting to it. If you're getting rid of Paperclip, Black Orchestra, and whatever the uh, hopeful, uh, like, Century, Century Breaker, yeah, Century Breaker yeah. is, all of a sudden, it doesn't seem so bad. Not to mention cards like Siphon, when you have same old thing, just immediately become active for things like that. My question for you then, Hollis, is what if... Would Frenetic Coding be better if it hit a card type other than Program? Um, for instance, if it was Resource. Hmm. I think no. The fact that uh, Inject is, like, a couple of reasons. One, Anarchs already have probably the best recursion of any faction, definitely in terms of quantity, um, in being able to have Retrieval Run, Deja Vu, especially which are very good at getting back programs, means that um, in addition to having Inject and Straight Peddler, which are both... Well, Inject especially, which is good at putting programs into your bin and putting non-programs into your hand, means that I think something which lets you dig so deeply to find one specific program that you need, I imagine using it with something like either Keyhole, where you're looking for two particular parts, both programs. Um, but, or, or Medium. Yeah, or Medium. Yeah. Where, or, yeah, basically just two, yeah, any Anarch suite where you want two different programs in play that complement one another. Uh, like Faust David, potentially, depending on how many cards you're willing to lose. But I think that um, given the tools that Anarch already has to find things that aren't programs, having this sort of work synergizes with the tools that they already have in the best way since it finds programs. And how are you feeling about this one in uh, in the style of build that you've been playing recently, Dan, or do you see some different applications for it? Um, I actually think this is a really strong card, um, in, in my application at least, because a lot of times that I'm having recently, ever since the first MWL, um, it's always been the struggle of finding like that one breaker that I need. Um, it used to be before I would tutor with SMC or clone chip and try to get SMC back to go for it. So having this as like the final piece is usually the case. And I find recapping a lot in terms of what I did at this past Worlds was a lot of drawing to try to find draw pieces to go further. So having this, like, I, I don't mind sacrificing cards because these would have been cards I would have drawn to discard anyways. Um, and having the reduction in install cost is also helpful. So in many cases, it could be Yogg, it could be Paperclip, it could be it could be something that that's just very impactful that I need at this moment. 
and just going faster through the deck is the more important part. And is that something that you think you could see playing in in a Valencia deck, or is the loss of the ten card of the other nine cards too much for that deck to handle in terms of how important your cards are to your strategy? No, I well the Valencia deck starts with fifty first off, so I already have like five, five more cards in the typical deck. Being able to go through it faster and getting the pieces um, at a bit of a discount is very helpful. Um, like I said, in at least the builds that I'm running, it it is it mirrors a little bit in terms of like big rig. So having my ability just to go faster through the deck to get to those pieces can be important. I may be losing economy cards. I might be losing maybe certain tech cards. But in in at least in the style that I'm playing, um, accessing cards is far more important than having the perfect rig. So every chance, I'm a firm believer, much like David Hoyland is, is that um, single accesses are still as important as multi-access. And being able to access cards early on as, as often as you can is good. So yep. getting that key piece is, is it, crucial. Great. Sounds like that's going to be a, a good one to keep an eye out for. Uh, the next card in the pack is a five-cost criminal console, one influence. It's called the Gauntlet. This is Khan's console by the looks of things. Uh, it's a plus two memory. Whenever you access cards from HQ during a run, access one additional card for each piece of ice protecting HQ that you broke all subroutines on during this run. Wilfie, what do you think of this one? So I think that this card is has a couple of different use cases. I think firstly, um, the most important one is that it's a sort of HQ interface like long-term HQ pressure um, slot, sort of the opposite of legwork where you want legwork at one particular point in the game and when you usually don't want to run HQ that much and then legwork to flush their hand out at a time where they might be vulnerable. This is sort of once the game's already been developed, um, it means that if you need to get into HQ, you can do so without having to pay, you know, lots each time just for single accesses. So I see it fitting more in a much slower deck than legwork usually does. But especially the fact that it's one influence means it has a lot of applications out of faction, especially in Shaper where you don't usually have ice destruction and you're trying to get through ice legitimately like just by building three icebreaker a three icebreaker suite and just running naturally and in those kind of slower big rig decks uh this card has two i think main benefits the first is that it's an extra two memory which is more than the uh like the same as maya or mirror which are the other sort of two influence cons- uh, two memory consoles that you could consider playing and one more than astrolabe and also that the five install cost isn't as big a problem when you have when you usually you have modded and you're f- maybe a bit more flowing with money than other factions are so yeah i think that this card could definitely see play in those slower sort of styles yeah i i definitely agree having consistent hq pressure at one influence that scales up throughout the game, the more they try and protect HQ seems like a really great effect for Shaper in particular. So I'll be looking forward to trying this out. How about uh, any comments, Dan or Hollis on this one? Um, I'll start. Um, with this card, I was very surprised to see it being a one influence, but then I saw the cost of it too. So I do agree in terms of this, seeing this in Shaper. I don't see this being splashed into Anarch to be quite honestly, just because Anarch just, just has way too many good consoles at this point. So looking at it too, I find a lot of times when it comes to Shaper is um, Corpse usually try to triple 
quadruple ice on R&D, but there may be single ice. So I think commonly, if you're going to see this, this console, you may just get two accesses. Um, the only thing that the only reason I would see that switched around is if um, there's more HQ pressure that's going to come out of the deck. So I'd be interested to see what kind of builds come out of it. Two, the two additional memory definitely is helpful, um, but I just question its worth versus other consoles uh, that people are trying out right now. So I'm just I would I would be very interested to see and invested in see how the player base is going to build this into a deck. Hmm. Interesting. The next card is a criminal icebreaker. Uh, so it's a program icebreaker fractor, one memory, cost four, influence two. Uh, it's called Saker, and its abilities are one credit, break a barrier subroutine, two credits, plus two strength, two credits, return Saker to your grip, de a barrier, use this ability only after using Saker to break all the subroutines on that barrier during a single encounter. Hollis, this is the last piece of the bird suite, uh, the bird of prey suite, I think we're supposed to call them. Uh, what do you think? Uh, okay, so four to install, four to install, and it would take one, two, three, four, five, six credits to break Eli. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, yep. That basically tells me exactly, that, that should tell you all you need to know about how good this card is. Or, or whether like whether or not I'm actually considering including it, like the, <clears throat> excuse me. So in the case where everyone's playing these low cost barriers, like just vanilla wrap around resistor, um, having an in house breaker that you only have to pay one to get to those is fine. But you can do that with any in house like breaker for the most part that they have, right? Um, maybe I guess breach is is not that's not true with breach because breach I think costs two to break a subroutine or three subroutines. Yeah. But after we're at the the zero and one strength mark, when we go up to like four and higher, this becomes not nearly as good as I would like it to. Like at that point, it's only worse than paperclip by the number of subroutines on the barrier. Right, right. I, I don't know because of, yeah. Well, wait. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. So th- that doesn't seem too bad. I mean, paperclip is, I think like pushing it like it's probably too good as far as icebreakers go but if we're comparing this to corroda it's start yes eli's a bad one for it because you're paying one too many to pump because it's an even number strength but of any odd number any odd strength barrier this compares pretty well to corroda so, I mean, my thought process, and um, I don't know if you guys had the pleasure of having the conversation with Damon Stone about the the bird suite of breakers. No. But um, so the one thing he shared with us was that um, the mentality behind the bird suite breakers wasn't always the the usage of the two credits to return it to your grip to de-res. It's just the, the constant threat of that being an option. So I went home and started thinking about it. I was like, and it, it made sense in terms of the mentality he wants to go about it. So, for example, in, the, in an era where blue sun would be predominant and as we know blue sun loves curtain wall and even though oversight ai sure it doesn't affect that but in this case where they use it to res just the threat of the of that being on board and losing that investment to them is a big cost so if we think in terms of that in that same environment if the meta moves towards blue sun having that as a viable option and de-resing it that's where we can see value through it um i do agree like the forecast to install and having i mean it's not as steep as with the other bird breakers itself for cost wise, but I I recognize and can applaud the mentality behind as to why the design space is there. 
Um, I think it's just that in the current meta and the current play space that we're expecting from the ice suite that players are playing and the IDs that we see, it's just not at its strongest, but it, it does have a place maybe further down the line. Cool. Any other thoughts, Wilfie? The next card is another criminal card. It's a resource connection called Blockade Runner. One cost, one influence. Two clicks, draw three cards. Shuffle one card from your grip into your stack. So a sort of uh, Super Mr. Lee, if you like. Get three, keep two, instead of get two, keep one. What do you think of this one, Wolfie? Right, but also especially that you the card that you shuffle in doesn't have to be one of the cards that you draw. No. That's a very important point. So I kind of waffled back and forth on this for a bit. Originally, I thought it was like pretty not good, and then I think for a while I thought it was actually really good, and now I just have kind of come to a medium between the two points. Like one, the main issue I think is that while it is like criminal decks, the way they're built normally, the with the usual testing suite, Temujin, and a uh, generic breakers and tricks. Um, you sort of want... You have some burst economy, some cards which are situational, but not very many. Only Basically only extra copies of Icebreakers and your console are truly situational in that they're not good when you draw them because most of your cards have such gener- generic applications. Um, but aside from that, usually I think the main issue with Criminal's card flow is the sheer quantity of cards that you need to see during the game to not only get your rig online get your economy online, like your burst and your drip economy, but also have get find your tech cards to sort of negate what the corp is doing, needing to do all of those things before the corp can overwhelm you. So I think the main issue with criminal decks at the moment is that it's really hard to do that. And this sort of helps in some of those respects in that it makes it much easier, well, a bit easier to find specific cards, but doesn't, I think, really solve the main problem which is that your card flow just is in general not very efficient just because you know this card's a bit awkward to use one you have to install it and then you're down and you have to use it maybe three to four times before it starts generating any value and i think the fact that you can't really use it to gain cards just because all you sort of need all of your cards to continue your, to keep your engine going like until you have everything set up basically all your cards are useful and even after that point they might still be useful in disrupting the corp like if you're playing but that's not up. true of everything like your access programs your access consoles your access testings any tech cards which aren't relevant in that matchup and your extra blockade runners true well let yeah definitely that is true but i still think that's not that many things especially early when early is the time that's most useful that this sort of card is most useful because it sort of changes the way in which your economy works for the rest of the game hmm yeah i don't know i think it's the sort of card that really needs testing the the card quality over card quantity cards in criminal express delivery mr lee etc haven't been good enough for a while uh this is probably doesn't Firstly, it's a permanent, uh, like so. It's closer to Mister Lee than Express Delivery. Uh, secondly, it does give did you, say, you. Did you call it a permanent? Um, by the way, did you do that? <laughs> sure, it's, it stays on the board. Okay. Um, uh, 
and, and secondly, I think the as you, as you pointed out at the start, Wilfie, the fact that you can put back any card in your hand, not just the ones you draw, puts it over the top of Mister Lee. Given that you're still getting the straight swap of two clicks for two cards uh, in quantity, uh, so the fact that you can put back any card from your hand improves the quality of what you'll be left with. And I do think that. Given that it digs quite deeply, in that it digs three, even if you put back something in the early game that you think, I don't really need this to the mid-game, there's a decent chance that by using this continually, you'll draw back into that card again. So putting things away early that you don't need on turn one to four, but you need on turn five to ten, is a lot better with something like this than with Mr. Lee. At, or Express Delivery, because you're just so much more likely to see them again in a timely fashion. So I think that it does get around that issue because sometimes, you know, when you express delivery and you see like a siphon, a console, a testing and a program, you might need all of those in the next few turns. You might not necessarily need them all immediately though. Whereas with this, firstly, you get to keep two of three and you're only putting one back. And secondly, the one you put back, you're more likely to see it again more quickly. I don't know. What do you think, Dan and Hollis? Go ahead, Dan. Okay. Um... I think it can work. It's it's a pretty cheap resource for what it is. I mean, I know it represents one influence for a reason, but at the same time, too, I'm just thinking back to when I was playing Criminal. Um, there are turns where you legitimately just want to draw twice and then decide from there, like, your options before your actions. So there there is there is merit in terms of what it can offer. Um, I just struggle with, like, the, at the current speed of the game... Um, how much you're really drawing every turn because of the way the runner decks, um, the criminal runner decks are currently situated. Having John Massonori, having Earthrise, having those like clickless draw options while doubling up on your uh, security test runs or just having career fair Earth, Earthrise, like those seem so much more valuable than what this can offer. Um, so I don't know speed wise if it's going to give criminal the speed it needs to project itself further on the map. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, th- this may be something that belonged much earlier in the card pool in terms of the uh, how criminal decks developed to, and the sorts of threats they have to respond to. Hollis, yeah. I feel like <clears throat> I feel like most of the time, like the, obviously the immediate comparison is like Mr. Lee for the most part, and I feel like this is probably better than Mr. Lee most of the time. Um, and on top of it, on top of that, I feel like the existing card draw options, as Dean as Dean explained, like uh, and as you mentioned, Jeffrey, about card qu- uh, quantity versus quality. Um, Who's Jeffrey? Uh, sorry, Jesse. Excuse me. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. But now I'm going to call you Jeffrey. For no, no. Um, but but I, I think the existing like uh, like runner draw options in both like resources and as far as card quantity cards like quality time and diesel um, make this card fit weirdly. Like, for example, if I may draw sort of the comparison, so if you look at cards that sort of generate or allow you to draw that are resources, so things like Earthrise Hotel, if you want to, we can say things like Beth Rang Chang, we can say um, even cards like Netmarker, John Masanori, all those cards are resources that let you draw as a part of their ability or part of their effect. Um, and they're basically either, usually you're going to play them in faction or they're no influence because they're neutral. In which case, the influence you would spend now is, is probably going to be spent on a card like Career Fair, where you get a discount on the great ability of those cards. Well, so this card's one influence, and it's a card draw. It has its, its, its own separate card draw engine, but what it doesn't let you do is it doesn't let you kind of like synergize with a lot of cards in your deck. Like, for example, this card costing one doesn't make it fantastic at all with Career Fair. So if I all of a sudden run Earthrise, maybe I can convince myself that I can run Earthrise and the John Mass and the Daily Cast and any number of resource that can now get discounted with Career Fair. It's a multi-card combo in that in that regard because I'm relying on the Career Fair for the uh, 
to cheap, I guess, to get out their, uh, the resource for cheaper. Mm. But I'm sort of like, it's also synergistic. Like, it's not just a one card, like, works. I, I, this, I have this one card. It's, I have this uh, influence card, career fair, that works with a lot yeah. of resources. No, and I think you and Deanne have both touched on an important issue with the card, and Wilfie did as well to an extent, which is that it doesn't fit within the existing strategy of what criminals are trying to do, which is generally extract as much value as you can off successful runs and feed into that strategy. Yep. Yeah, Nested action It just doesn't really fit with that. Mm, interesting. Mean, yeah, sorry, Dan. Said, uh, I mean, being said that, I mean, there might be... I mean, we might just need to dive further into the carpool and kind of reset our thinking behind it, because I know right now... The biggest value plays for a lot of NBA decks is like capitalizing on runners making runs. And if yeah. criminals is all about like running to get value, maybe it's time to kind of realize maybe a different way to get the runner economy up criminal wise. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. There, this might be something that we need to look at further in in terms of as a bigger carpool for those who are excited about deck building to see if there's something else that we're missing. Hmm. Sure, it could be something. Those slow criminal decks out of multiple IDs have always been out there. Yeah. Uh, but they haven't quite been fast enough at getting their stuff together. So maybe this will help. Yeah, very sure. Cool. Um, The next card is an identity. Uh, It is Ellie? L L Smoke Skovac, the sinusure of the net. Zero link shaper ID, 4015. It's got one recurring credit that you can use to pay for using icebreakers. And Ellie Smoke Skovac, L Smoke Skovac (laughs) is a stealth card as well. So the one recurring credit that you can use for your icebreakers is a stealth credit. What do we think of this, Dian? Um, I think this is speaking to every player out there that has been following this game since the genesis of it about stealth. <laughs> um, yeah. Just seeing this come together and now having an ID for it. Um, I think every player who loves CT now is looking at this too. I, I know various friends of mine who like love the 40-card decks now looking at this and being like, oh my gosh, this is my new identity. Um, having stealth built into the identity just makes it so much easier as to be aggressive turn one if you have the program in hand and t- if you want to play your events. Um, so I think this is a, a pretty healthy design, and I, and I like where this is being brought in. I, I'm just curious to see with like um, the master deck builds we have now, how it's going to all come together for everyone. Yeah, lots of options. So it's a bit of a blank slate at the moment. Wilfie, what do you think? Yeah, I think that the most important aspect of this card is the ability to not require such a huge setup in your stealth rigs like it means that you can legitimately run early um while only needing an smc to break any piece of ice you might encounter like you can build your deck to do that which i think is really powerful given that in the last pack probably the main probably now in the game the main stealth payoff card is net Merker, which hasn't really seen as much play as potentially we were expecting but also i think has a lot of untapped potential um and of course it's you know you you don't need to be a genius to work out to combine this card with netmerker but just the fact that they work so well together in negating each other's weaknesses like netmerker requires lots of setup or a reasonable a fair amount of setup before it actually starts generating resources whereas this is a bonus once per turn but also needs something to turn that into a longer term resource uh, longer term resource advantage those two things really partner well together um to make this strong i think great um hollis any thoughts before we move on uh, i think the tribal tattoos are very like early 2000s um 
but uh, I very much respect the uh, the artist's uh, you know style that way. So, okay, uh, this is set in the future though, so perhaps you know everything old becomes new again at some point. That's probably it? what happened. Yeah, That's probably yeah. what happened. Cool. Uh, on that very important note, I think we'll move on to Top Hat, which is another piece of L's uh, paraphernalia, I suppose you could say. Um, part of her, one of her magic tricks. So Top Hat is a zero cost shaper hardware. It's one influence. Whenever you make a successful run on R&D, instead of accessing cards, you may choose one of the top five cards of R&D and access it. You cannot access any other cards in R&D during this run. Hollis, what do you think of this one? So what do you do if there's Ash on the server? Then you can't top hat. You just choose not to top hat, right? But this is... Yeah, uh, because you can't access the Ash anyway. Well, is it? it's in, in R&D, right? So is... Upgrades concerned in R&D or oh, in the I see what you R&D. mean. No, no, you're right. Yeah, you're so you can still access it. Oh, sure, yeah, because okay. it's in the root. No, you're right. Yeah, but cannot always trumps can, Hollis. So this card says you can access one of the top five, and Ash says you cannot, so you cannot. Okay. Well, oh boy. Um, I don't... I don't want to give my opinion first. I, I will tell you that I, d- I don't okay. like it. Okay, all right, oh, I'll, I'll, say, I'll say something. That's fine. Um, so for me, this is really interesting. It's... The L and Netmerka, or sorry, it was Smoke and Netmerka and a lot of the other recent Shaper cards have tended towards allowing Shapers to make multiple runs per turn, whereas previously Stealth Rigs were all about making one big run each turn. Uh, so the fact that you can get um, uh, refund from your Netmerka for your first recurring credit that you use, and then you're also, you also have more recurring credits available through Smoke and through Netmerka means that you can conceivably make multiple runs, which means that you don't need to just you know play your maker's eye with three interfaces in play. You could use Top Hat, for example, to see the top card of R&D and then use it as a pseudo R&D interface that costs zero to go back in and see the second card. Previously, that would have been a really bad strategy because that would have been far too expensive. And I think still people are going to put, a corps are going to put ice on R&D against Shapers because of this and all the other tools that Shaper has to access multiple cards from R&D. And just generally because icing R&D is good no matter what your opponent um, is in, in terms of runner because that's where most of your agenda is going to be at most points in the game. So I'm not really sure about whether runs have become enough easier for Shapers to make that you can consistently rely on making multiple runs on R&D in a turn to get value off your top hat. But in that way, I guess it's sort of similar to indexing. It's got the permanence that indexing doesn't have in that once you've played it, you've got it in, turn for, in play for the rest of the game. But indexing gets worse over the game anyway as more ice gets placed in R&D and the cost of getting in twice in a turn becomes more significant. So early game, you know, this compares not so well to indexing because indexing lets you see five, whereas this effectively lets you see two in the same amount of time that indexing lets you see those five. Um, and then later in the game, yes, you can continue using this over the successive turns. So if you play this on turn one or two, and then you're able to use it for three or four turns after that, maybe it's better than indexing at that point, but that requires you to have drawn it at that point and played it and then not have ice that makes it hard for you to get in and always for punishing you for getting your rig together to get in, which in the current metagame is not really the case because 
cheap ice on the corpse side coupled with hard-hitting news or CTM traces. Just the amount of pressure that corpse can put on you makes it really unlikely that you're going to be able to leverage this card. So I don't see it being particularly good. I do acknowledge that it has some value um, as a replacement for R&D interface of sorts, um, but it doesn't give you the same inevitability that R&D interface gives. So I'm not a huge fan of it. Any other thoughts, Wilfie? Dan Hollis? I think you hit it right uh, the nail on top of the head. I, it, I struggle currently looking at this card to want to put in decks, and just the cards that are coming up, um, I just don't see the value of it currently at the moment. Cool. Uh, the next one is another one which I'm a bit iffy on uh, from the from Smoke's uh, suite, and it's Blackstone. It's the Fractor, the new uh, Stealth Fractor. It's four-cost shaper program, two influence, one memory, one credit, oh, sorry, three strength. It's got uh, two abilities, one credit, break a barrier subroutine, three credits, add four strength for the remainder of this run. Uh, sorry, add four strength for the remainder of this run. Uh, use this ability only by spending at least one credit from a stealth card. Uh, it's a four-cost, one-memory, two-influence shaper program. It's an icebreaker, fractor, with three strength, one credit, break a barrier subroutine, three credits, add four strength for the remainder of the run. Use this ability only by spending at least one credit from a stealth card. So this is probably the worst uh, stealth pump ability that we've seen so far on a stealth icebreaker, I think. And I'm Struggling to fathom why exactly that is. Does, can anyone enlighten me, or does anyone have a different view on this card? I mean, three base strength is a decent start, but having to pay three to get anywhere above three is a lot. Yeah, it's incredibly awkward, right? Like, that's just an awkward... Like, the, the starting strength forward is very awkward, and then it's the what it pumps to is, is also even more awkward. Like, I feel like one of those numbers should be different. The install cost should be lower, the strength should be higher, or that cost to pump should be lower. Right. Yeah, I think at the moment it compares very unfavorably to Refractor in terms of value, um, and not to mention how much worse it is to cost multiple credits to pump when Netmerker is your main economy. Mm. Yeah, I'm not really understanding what benefit this gets for being a stealth card compared to Snowball. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I played Snowball. Uh, I mean, I guess it breaks massive barriers slightly cheaper, but it's yeah, certainly... Yeah, it gets to keep its strength, right? That's the main... Doesn't snowball also? No. Only yeah. if you... For each one you break <laughs> or something? No, it just increases. So if you snowball, if you encounter a zero strength ice, then a one strength ice, then a two strength ice, etc. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't keep its strength natively. Okay. Uh, snowball... So, sorry, just to be... Um, snowball retains the strength. Uh, sorry, key, gains the strength for every subroutine you break. So in the same essence of like the the name of it, it's snowballing. Uh, mm. uh, it's just, it's just funny that I'm hearing about this because at Gen Con we had uh, Noah McKee break through like huge barriers, but forgetting to retain the strength from every sub you broken. So just ensuring that that's the case so that people remember what it's all about. Just keeping that one on the record. Nice. Yeah. 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 So uh, any thoughts on this though, Dan? Um, is this something that you could see being part of your stealth rig in your stealth uh, deck? I probably know. I would probably do paperclip if anything. I'd probably splash for something else. I don't like I said currently right now. If I'm thinking as a hyper competitive player that's in this current environment, it's too costly and for what it offers, it's not the numbers I would want for a barrier breaker. 
being said that, I would want to see as the cycle goes out if there's a change, then I would consider it. I mean, it it has okay numbers. The the biggest strength for this is the fact that it keeps the strength for the remainder run. But mm. I need to see that the meta moves towards something of barrier heavy with high strength for me to consider yeah. this. Perhaps uh, two of the cards we might see on the corp side of this pack may make a little bit of a difference there. <gasps> Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, okay, the next card in this pack is a neutral event. It's a current. It costs zero, and it's zero influence. It's called Government Investigations. It's got the current text. It says, while secretly spending credits, players cannot spend two credits. As our resident Psy lover, Hollis, what do you think of this? Hold on. I want to know when I became the resident Psy lover. Um, <laughs> Just then, when I was reading out this card. So, I mean... Excuse me. <clears throat> and you've played Caprice before. Don't you lie to me. Okay, you're right, though. I, love, I, do, I do love some Psy games. Um, <clears throat> so, about, about this card... I mean, it's good to have, in case you really, 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 really hate Psy games, and everyone in your meta is, is using Psy games, and you want to increase your odds of guessing the right number... Um, so he, here's the issue with it though, right? Rumil completely blanks Caprice and blanks Jackson and blanks Ash and a whole lot of other relevant cards. This doesn't even blank Caprice. This It just makes it a 50-50 yeah, instead of a 33-60. This, this card falls in that category of like where they make cards just for people that like really, really hate something or really, really want to meta something <laughs> and they don't want to be like... They, they, they don't want to go outside too much. Like this is a neutral card that's not very good at all. That if yeah. you are that if you are that person where in your meta everyone's on, I don't know maybe for the week everybody has to play Jinteki and so everyone's running side games that that week. Um, it's the traffic jam to your right, thought. pretty much, pretty much. Mm. Which I mean, you know, again, for me that's um, the, the card's not playable, right? Like the car, like in most circumstances in traditional like regular netrunner competitive netrunner you, no one's ever going to play this card for your netrunner theme night okay sure i'm certain if there's a netrunner theme night and everyone's playing side games that day this card's probably going to be slotted in a lot all right so there you have it if you are having a netrunner theme <laughs> night and everyone's going to be playing side games <laughs> you may want to consider playing government That's investigations it. but otherwise we'll leave it in the yes. binder the next card is a two-cost neutral resource. It's called Citadel Sanctuary. It's a location. If you are tagged... Oh, sorry, it's unique also. If you are tagged when your turn ends, force the corp to trace one. If unsuccessful, the runner removes one tag. It has another ability, trash. Trash all cards in your grip, prevent all meat damage. What do we think of this one, Wilfie? This is interesting. Yeah, this is a very strange card, I think. So it has two purposes, but we'll go over them sequentially, I suppose. The first one is if you're tagged when your turn if you're tagged when your turn ends and you want to remove those tags, then you can, you know, force the corp to trace and if your link is high, that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. If your link is high or even not super high but higher than zero, you're very likely to be successful. Um, so I suppose that, but the, I think the main issue with that is that if you're planning to tag yourself, then probably the most efficient way to get around that is to just not care about tags, like to mitigate the tag punishment cards that your opponent might have. And that's where I think 
the strength of cards like Joshua B come in is that the ability is very, very powerful if you can find a way to do that in your deck to mitigate the drawbacks of having tags, which, you know, happens... You can do it in multiple different ways, but I think taking tags and then removing them sort of doesn't really feel like a great use of that card just because it's so much... Like, it, if you're going to be removing the tags one at a time, then this it doesn't actually protect you from any tags. Like, if you're going to Joshua B every turn, then this sort of negates the drawback of that, but this is so inefficient at actually removing tags from you if you've decided that you want to be untagged that really it doesn't work but for what, that purpose. what about in the current metagame where everyone a lot of competitive decks are playing networking and plus greek carapress to do with to deal with hard-hitting news other tag uh, threats and boom couldn't this replace be an influence free way to consider replacing your networking um potentially i think the issue there is that it doesn't uh, like there are a couple of issues. One is that a resource which remove like which you want to be tagged at least some amount of the time to ha- have an effect is inherently risky just because they can trash it if it becomes irrelevant. But assuming that you can get, but around you never want you never necessarily want to be tagged on their turn because this triggers at the end of your turn. Right, but if you're going to keep your last tag, then they you know it's very difficult to keep a situation where you're going to guarantee that for the whole game, they're not going to have a single opportunity to stick a tag on their turn if you're going to use this to remove a tag. Your link, I think you need to dedicate cards to having link, in which case this card, I think, is kind of extraneous in that role. Extraneous, how? Like in Nexus Kate, for example, couldn't this be a great way to replace plus green and networking for no influence? Potentially, I wouldn't, like... In terms of plus create, plus create is different because it protects you from um, boom better in that it doesn't require like obviously if they have a ta- you know if they have no like it requires them to lose use an extra click to trash this which is obviously not something that you can always do but also plus create is no influence in itself so that's kind of like yeah but you're condensing two cards into one right but I think this those kind of decks if you're gonna go to the trouble to include lots of link in your deck that's already a defense against hardening news i think you have decided that that's the way that you're going to beat hardening news is to between the link and the um and just your economy engine out money them this i think doesn't really do enough to justify the fact that they can trash it if at any like they can sort of split up their tag punishment and trash this one turn and then kill you the next turn Okay, except that this helps you to remove the tags and gives you an extra click after hard-hitting news. I feel like that could be quite relevant. Okay, so how about this? I'll share a yeah. story. This is, this, is a, this is a recent story that happened. So at, there was an event that happened at uh, Worlds. It's called the Icebreaker. And 20 minutes before the Icebreaker, I had the Toronto guys go and ask a judge if intervention was legal. They said yes. So 20 minutes before the icebreaker, I, really? I, yeah, yeah, this is a true story. This happened. You guys weren't <laughs> aware of this. I did huh. this. So I took my Kate, which I had, um, the three rabbit holes. It wasn't security access, but I had like hundred grams of data dealer. And I slotted one of my daily casts and said, and, and put a Citadel Sanctuary inside of it. And it did, it did wonders that day. Uh, so many people hard hitting news me and I was able to remove the tag. I even had a game where I was playing against Marcellus, which is the resident, German Whalen lover, 
And what he did was <laughs> he hard hitting news me, and he also had false lead. Now on my turn, I had to remove two tags, and then he false leaded me. The trace went off with this, and I was able to remove the third tag, so he wasn't able to then boom me. He had two credits because he went broke for the for for the hard oh news, yeah. yeah. Um, actually, it wasn't Hardy. It was midseason. Sorry, I said it correctly. But either way, I had four tags. Um, I removed the tag. He couldn't boot me anymore, and he had two credits left. He couldn't scorch me outright. He had to actually trash Citadel Sanctuary and then credit twice. So this actually saved my neck, and I think it's actually worthwhile to look at as a card inside the Nexus Kate builds or the Link builds because the amount of shenanigans you can do with this, I, I thought was worth it. And even inside the other decks that I'm seeing, like people are working on right now, the Andromeda Security Nexus. This is a worthwhile card that, that can be very much uh, considered. On top of that, too, if people are doing the power tap, to, which I've been seeing in, in, in Andromeda, carrying a tag at the end of turn to get power tap to get three credits or two credits off that and having natural link, it's it's kind of good because the biggest issue with um, link decks right now is that you don't have too many opportunities to fire link. Um, but if you're doing security nexus, if you're doing this at the end of the turn, if you, they have link ice, um, it just makes it so much more valuable and more of a viable build to build around. Mm. Okay, I will also say I thought of it halfway through that it is an okay way to deal with Data Raven. Yes. Like that you can <laughs> actually just use it as an economy card if you're running through Data Raven. Yeah. Which is something I didn't hadn't considered until five seconds ago. But like yeah, that's like actually seems quite important given how hard it is usually for even decks with security nexus to like, make it worthwhile to run through a Data Raven, even though you need to during the game, just because spending the click, not necessarily the credits, but especially the click to remove a tag, really condenses your turns. Yeah. So, this, that is the story of how I scumbag World's Icebreaker 2016. With your secret intervention tech that no <laughs> one else knew was legal. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, that brings us to the end of the runner side of intervention. We'll be back next week with the Corp side. Uh, thank you all for joining us. If you want to get in touch with us on Facebook, you can find us at The Winning Agenda. If you want to tweet us, you can tweet us at Winning Agenda. If you want to throw a few shekels our way on Patreon, you can go to www.patreon.com slash The Winning Agenda. And we really appreciate all the support of all our current Patreons. Thank you very much. Um, and is there any other way people email. get an email? Uh, if you want to email us, you can email us at thewinningagenda at gmail.com. Oh. Thanks again to Dn for joining us. Oh, Hollis, you had something to say? Uh, I, I wanted to give a, like a, just a, a personal shout-out to um, uh, uh, Marcus uh, Daggerid. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> He's one of our Patreon supporters already, and he said some very, very, very nice things about us and about listening to the cast, and we wanted you to know that it's very much appreciated. Thank you, Marcus. Yeah, that meant a lot to all of us. Yes, thanks, Marcus. Thank you. All right. Uh, so thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening. <laughs>